Welcome back to Watergate. Um, for those of us who, who went through Watergate, the situation in Washington is deteriorating now to the point where it appears that nothing can get done and we're going to have to get some resolution uh, in the next couple of months if this nation's going to move forward. Let's just recap now what we've got. Last week, last week on the domestic front, it was very clear that the Republican bill in the House to kill the Affordable Care Act wasn't going anywhere. That between the demands from the so-called Freedom Caucus, which is the ultra-right-wing element, which has been running amok now for the last five years, and uh, the reality of what would pass in the Senate, that despite control of both houses of Congress and the White House, they can't get anything done. Then over the weekend, the administration pivoted, trying to change the subject, trying to change the narrative, pushing us uh, into a further crisis in regards to immigration and immigration reform. Uh, this has been a tactic of the Trump administration, uh, even pre before uh, Donald Trump entered the White House, in regards to changing the narrative, changing the topic every time something goes wrong. So now we've got sessions coming out with some outrageous demands that violate <coughs> Uh, outrageous demands that violate the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution, uh, a number of federal laws trying to, in effect, federalize local police departments. In the meantime, uh, there's going to be an effort to do a, a, a tax bill and a budget bill which are going to be just devastating in terms of all the progress we've made locally in regards to everything from dealing with the challenges of, of homelessness to creating healthy neighborhoods and making advancements in regards to health care. And those are just a few. Uh, our transportation system is stuck and mired in the tragedy of what's going on in Washington. We know what we have to do to acquire better service for our fleet, to add to the fleet, to meet the demands for additional ridership. And all of this is stuck in the swamp created by the Trump administration, uh, mainly in regards to foreign affairs, uh, the issues involving Russian involvement. Now, fortunately, uh, Senators Burr and Warner a Republican and a uh, Democrat uh, who are ranking in regards to the Senate Intelligence uh, Committee are going to try to get to the bottom of this. In the meantime, uh, the House of Representatives is flailing along. Congressman Ryan tells us he knew about this months ago. He's got the power to uh, deal with, with Nunez, who's uh, making this sound like the House of Cards. And we're at a point now where something has to be done in regards to the stalemate 
on the congressional action on foreign affairs and, and the intelligence questions and all of the domestic issues that need to be addressed. It, it appears that uh, what the Trump administration has done in the last couple of months is to take the swamp, which was pretty much confined to the House of Representatives, and expand it throughout Washington, D.C. So in terms of the prospects for our community and for our state, um, the paralysis may be good in terms of their inability to punish us, but the, the, the forecast is not good in regards to the progress we're making in, in solving problems, particularly addressing poverty and, and homelessness. Uh, block grant funding, various housing programs appear to be in jeopardy not to mention uh, one that has not caught a lot of attention, which is the possibility of repeal of the deduction on interest paid by homeowners. Um, this is one element of the tax code uh, which benefits every uh, middle class a person in this country, every middle-class household, who either is buying a home or owns a home. And we've got to be very careful on, on that issue as well. So that's the bright report today. Did I cover everything? Okay, good. Cheery like the weather. Well, uh, that's the reality. Um, is Madison considered a sanctuary city? I haven't seen it on any of the ICE reports. Well, it's, what's, 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 interesting, uh, what's interesting about that is we're not among the 200 cities that Sessions is calling out. Um, I suppose that's good news. Uh, I suppose there's also some people who are disappointed. Um, but the, the fact is, uh, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing in regards to identifying these cities. They don't know what they're doing in terms of their attempts to federalize local police departments without paying for it even. And whether it's our county sheriff's department or it's our Madison Police Department, we've got a very logical, reasonable uh, response. If someone is a serious, dangerous criminal, and there is reason for ICE to hold them, we will do so. But we are not going to rack up uh, tremendous expenses in picking on someone uh, who might have a, a driving violation uh, or, or, or something incidental. And let me point out, uh, this has been discussed mostly in terms of cities, but here in Wisconsin, it is vital to the, the rural part of the state, which geographically is a majority of the state, because of the very important uh, uh, role that so many immigrants play in regards to the dairy industry. And just imagine what would happen in terms of the health and the danger to those 
those cows, what would happen to the economy in regards to milk, in regards to, to butter, in regards to cheese, uh, if, if we should lose those workers. So is it, is any potential funding they could take away safe in regards to the immigration issue, but you're worried about federal funding in other areas? Well, it's, 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 it's an interesting question because in the other areas, say transportation, the law makes it very specific that in terms of allocating federal transportation funds to communities, the only criteria that can be used as to giving those funds has to do with transportation policy and transportation actions. And it makes it clear that you can't use anything else as a standard. In regards to law enforcement dollars, particularly uh, the COPS program and the, um, in, in terms of firefighters, the, the SAFER grants, a couple of observations. One, uh, it looks like this administration's planning on eliminating those in future budgets. So that's not much of a threat. Secondly, uh, in terms of the criteria for those grants, there, there is no requirement uh, that, that, that federalization of local police departments uh, is mandated. And as I've indicated when we've discussed this in the past, uh, there are 200 cities who are all prepared. Uh, I'm confident that particularly the New York uh, and California municipalities have got uh, their court documents already drafted and are ready to go into federal court uh, the moment action is taken against those cities. And of course, we will, as we have with past litigation, be in a position of being a friend of the court and supporting that litigation. Yeah, in terms of potentially losing funding in other areas, I mean, does the city have sort of a backup plan if, you know, those dollars are lost, or is it kind of just a wait-and-see game? We, we do not have a backup plan. And, and let me say that the big dollars, the, the big dollars, the, the, the couple of million dollars in block grant and home funds and all that, which adds up to five, six million dollars, I am more concerned about their loss, not from reprisals on immigration, but on the so-called tax reform budget bill where the Trump administration just wants to slash and, and cut all of those programs uh, from the top on down. That's, that's where that danger lies. I don't think it's so much from uh, punishment in regards to immigration. I think it's from stupidity and, and, and the attempt to build an oligarchy uh, for, for the wealthiest Americans that, that's motivating that. Programs that you fear could be in danger? Well, block grant money is right off the start. And there we've got several million dollars, almost all of which is allocated to our nonprofits uh, in the social services, in the housing area, working with low income and poor families. Uh, how we make up those dollars is just virtually impossible. Uh, the home program, which is direct uh, funding for housing, is, is another area. And then we've got a series of programs that deal with home purchasing, with home repairs, home improvements for those uh, in, in marginal housing. Um, there's programs in terms of health and, and uh, um, uh, 
planning grants uh, that we use for our, our low-income neighborhoods, and, and those have been so successful uh, over the years. So that's, that's where the real danger lies. And with, you know, our own budget forecast for the city next year, uh, we've already got problems without any federal grants. I mean, we're going to have a hard enough time during this next summer figuring out how to produce a 2018 budget without any federal cuts. So that's, that's really way beyond us. Um, Can you run if the city has secured that safer grant? Not yet, no. We don't know. He proposes the budget, Congress has to approve it. Give us an idea on timeline how that impacts how Madison well, has to deal with stuff. It, it, it appears that his budget proposal is not even going to be a working model as we go into April and May and the House of Representatives starts preparing its own budget bill under the uh, leadership of, of Congressman Ryan. And given the kinds of budgets they have proposed and they've worked on in the past, um, from our standpoint, there's not much difference between what a Ryan-led House of Representatives with that uh, right-wing cabal that wanted to destroy health care in this country and what Donald Trump would propose. But through the National League of Cities, the National Association of Counties, and the United States Conference of Mayors, we will be doing everything in our, our power to make sure that there's no cuts in housing, in transportation, in, in, uh, in block grant funding, in all these other vital areas. I mean, one of the things that's been lost in this country is the notion of what the purpose of taxation is. It's the notion of two things. One is if we do it together through our government, it is more efficient than if we don't do it and leave it up uh, just to the private sector because we know that the private sector is not interested in subsidizing, and that's what it takes. And that gets to the second point. Taxation is a redistribution of resources. Not all of us have the capacity in our own wallets to pay for the reconstruction of East Washington Avenue. Not all of us have the capacity in our own wallets to pay for the acquisition of buses and to operate them. And so we have a democratic process of collecting taxes, progressive taxation, and that it goes into some central source, depending whether it's a city government, a state government, county, or the federal government, and then it's redistributed. And it's not redistributed exactly dollar for dollar from where it came from. It goes based on, on need. And the result of this has been the progress of this nation. It's been the uplifting. All those returning veterans after World War II couldn't have paid for that college education that they received. But the benefits that not only they and their families, but the nation received from college educations for 
World War II returning uh, GIs under the GI Bill was enormous. It led to one of the most robust periods in our nation's history. And the same thing is true from the investment in the National Defense Act, which built the interstate highway system, which moves goods and people. Well, that's been the nature of the, of the history of this country. You can point to so much successful housing that's been constructed. Uh, right here in Madison, uh, families that were impoverished that lived in affordable housing that was in part paid for by the federal government in the city. And now, years later, uh, kids raised in that housing are uh, college professors and doctors. And we all benefit, not just them. Now, we're seeing a different approach by the Senate uh, in their uh, hearings on Russia. We saw an actual bipartisan. Yes. Uh, is there a hope that this is going to be, what's, what's the old analogy, that the House is the teacup and the Senate's the saucer? I mean, uh, is there a hope that well, we're going to see that? I, I, I can't. Well, that's, that's the chaos that we see right now, which is so reminiscent of, of Watergate uh, until the, the hearings actually got going and we got to the bottom of, of, of the problem and where it emanated from in the White House. Uh, right now, uh, the House is in chaos. They're playing games. Um, as it's been noted, Paul Ryan can simply make one call to the White House and find out who let Nunez in and, and what happened. Uh, but he refuses to. He can remove him as, as, uh, from his role on that committee. Meantime, hopefully that Senate leadership from Senators Burr and Warner will go forward and, as they've been repeatedly saying in Washington, finally maybe there's some adults in the room who can get to the bottom of this. But in the meantime, look what we're discussing and look at the challenges of this country in terms of, of housing, in terms of poverty, in terms of, of education, None of that's being addressed. And the more the House gets mired in, in, it, in, it, in its own uh, tub of molasses that it's, it's spilt, they can't get anything done, which means uh, while we may be able to get something productive out of the Senate, we're still stuck. You can have your choice. It's, it's, it's either a swamp or it's, 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 it's molasses, but... It's it's not working. With the loss of an chair bill, what does that mean for Ryan's speakership? Well, it's I think it's less of a statement about Ryan because if Boehner had been there, uh, I doubt the outcome would have been any different, and uh, I can't imagine any Republican uh, being more productive. The the question of leadership is standing up to 35, 40 members of the Freedom Caucus who, who represent a little more than 10% of, of the House uh, and, and saying, you guys cannot screw this country any longer. You no longer can play these games where you're going to posture and repeal the Affordable Care Act for 50 uh, votes 
and pretend you're doing something. And speaking of the Affordable Care Act, like every piece of legislation, whether it's at the local level or the state level or the federal level, after it's been around for a couple of years, you've got to look at it and you've got to come back and revisit it and make some improvements. So while we should be looking at how to improve the Affordable Care Act, they're trying to destroy it. Meantime, they're, 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 they're totally a mess in regards to uh, uh, the, the question of Russian involvement in our elections and in other European elections. And if there's a failure of Paul Ryan's, uh, it is not his leadership to get a bill passed. It is his failure to call out these people who hate government and who are trying to destroy the nation. Okay. Thank you very much. Probably see you next week. Uh, but we're going to stay with this, and we're going to uh, be working with other cities. Uh, I've never seen cities mobilize like this before. Well, all our work is going through the U.S. Conference of Mayors and the National League of Cities, and there's at least 200 that are, are aligned and, and working, and bipartisan, I might add. Uh, half of our leadership on immigration is uh, Mayor Tate of Anaheim, California, a Republican. So that gives you some idea. All right? Ryan said he won't work with uh, Democrats, even though Trump said he would. Well, there you go. That's hello. Cool. <laughs>